What's up, cool cats and cuties? This is the Promenade Merchants Podcast, a Star Trek podcast out on the frontier. So sit down and grab a rock to Gino as David Majors and Heather Kirby talk all things Star Trek. Old, new, and what's to come. The Promenade Merchants are open for business. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Promenade Merchants Podcast. It's our second episode. I'm David. My co-host is Heather. What's up, Heather? Hey, David. How are you surviving in this apocalypse era? (laughs) I'm doing the best that I can. Uh, I am part of the few, the proud, uh, who are not working from home. Uh, But I'm doing the best I can. Uh, I I actually don't mind. I volunteered. So I'm, I'm... kind of still pretty normal routine wise and that just means i'm still doing my podcast just like this one where we're going to talk about some star trek stuff heather i think that's what we're going to do i think we can hopefully brighten up a few people's days and talk a little star trek and get their mind off uh, the crazy big wide world we're living in right now let's get started uh old business on the promenade merchants podcast let's do a quick recap since so many of us are stuck at home due to covid19 uh and this is a star trek podcast uh, let's just put it out there uh well i'll ask you heather what have you been watching star trek wise while we're all dealing with this at sitting at home in isolation have you been watching anything Well, I have been watching a couple of my favorite episodes that are really feel-good episodes that kind of have uh, a little bit of a normality to them. Uh, So they're they're not really outrageous sci-fi. They're not anything crazy, but they're something that you just sit there and go, hey, that was was really nice. That that makes me feel good inside to see that. So uh, one of my favorites, Like I mentioned in our first episode, uh, two of my favorite series are Voyager and TNG. So I wanted to talk about an episode from each of them. And the first one from Voyager is an episode from season six called Fairhaven. Ah, yes, 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 yes. (laughs) It's a little bit of a crazy choice uh, because people either love or hate this episode I happen to love Really? It. People hate this episode? Yeah. Well, you know, honestly, most of the people I know who hate this episode are Irish. Because they uh, don't like the way okay. that the, the stereotypical yeah. Irish things that happen in the episode, which is understandable. That's completely understandable for people to dislike that. I want to put that out there right now. I have nothing against Irish people. They are wonderful. And they do characterize them to an overly crazy degree in this episode with... Uh, Mr. Paris's holodeck program called Fairhaven. But the one thing I like the best about this episode is that it it really portrays Janeway in a way that's kind of normal. And usually she's bigger than she's this bigger than life figure because she's the captain and she's the leader and she has to take charge and take responsibility for everything. And in this episode, she really, <laughs> she looks out for herself and she, she, she takes time for herself and she has a little fun and she comes across this holodeck character, the bartender at Fairhaven, which she finds attractive. And it's just a very normal thing for a woman to do, <laughs> if that makes 
any sense whatsoever. But well, we all went through the Jordy LaForge experience in TNG, so uh, being attracted to a hollow program is nothing new in Star Trek. Oh, no, definitely not. And, and just the idea that a woman would get to design her ideal man <laughs> is kind of like every women's dream. <laughs> that they, they could just take a checklist and put everything that they find attractive in a guy. So there, there, there's just something really fun and lighthearted about that. And, and that's one of the reasons I really like this episode. Uh, the other one I wanted to mention was the TNG episode, The Cost of Living. And so I've talked multiple times, obviously, about how much I love Janeway. But one of my other favorite actresses in Star Trek is Majel Barrett. She's just, she's legendary. I mean, I, I mean, she exudes such a, if you know her history with the show and her history with Gene Roddenberry, uh, you can't help but admire her. And the multiple different characters that she's played across three different series, well, four if you count the fact that she voices the ship's computer in Voyager, too. Um, she, I, I don't know. She leaves me in awe. Every time I see her on screen and uh, the cost of living, I think is one of her best episodes. Is that the Alexander episode? That is the Alexander episode. Yes. Got it. Yes. Okay. Okay. It, it's the episode where she comes to the enterprise because uh, she's getting married to this stranger that she's never met before. And she kind of busts in on Deanna's counseling session with uh, Worf and Alexander, where they're having their own uh, parental struggles. And uh, she really takes Alexander under her, wi her wing to kind of show him that he, he needs to embrace life more a little bit and not be so worried about uh, the issues that Worf's having when it's coming to parenting and just kind of learn, learn to add some happiness into his life. Uh, but at the end of the episode, she realizes that she has to do the same thing because Loxana is compromising because she wants to get married. She's older. She doesn't want to live her life alone. And so she's compromising to marry someone that she's never met before. And the scene at the end of the episode, when she comes into her wedding where uh, her groom-to-be was from a different planet and didn't want to have a Betazoid wedding, and she was going to wear a wedding dress for him. But at the end of the episode, when she comes into her wedding, she is stark naked, like... As is tradition on Beta Z. As is tradition on Beta Z. And her husband, her soon-to-be husband, freaks out... <laughs> decides to not marry her and she just accepts it and she's happy because she's still staying true to herself and she's not compromising herself uh, to make someone else happy just because she thinks it's what she should be doing. Uh, she, she's staying true to herself and what she believes in and I, I think it's a message that we should all remember that ultimately it doesn't matter what other pe people think it matters what we think i i do remember this episode and i remember uh captain picard 
when Waxana came onto the ship, as she does, and you immediately see Jean-Luc Picard tensing up and, and get all of this anxiety of, uh, gotta deal with Loxana again. It's a Loxana <laughs> yeah. episode. Oh my god. And then it's just like, oh no, I'm getting married to, to another man. I just need you to run the ceremony. Oh, thank god, that's all. <laughs> and just like the, the obvious relief of just not having to go with another episode of Loxana's antics. That, that, and and also me. that the person that she's marrying is not Picard. Because <laughs> how many right. times has she wanted to marry him? Yeah. Right. Uh, but let me throw one at you, uh, especially because it's from DS9 and uh, feel good episodes that, and one in particular that came to my mind. Uh, this really shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. And all I have to do is say the episode title. Take me out to the hollow suite. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, since we're we're all stuck inside, and uh, it's starting to get warmer, uh, it's starting to turn into spring, and then even though sports are canceled for the time being, I think a great Star Trek episode be the episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine about baseball, Ben Sisko's favorite game, where we see uh, the team composing of the main cast of DS9 playing a team of Vulcans in a game of baseball. It is silly and harmless and fun, and Worf has some great lines, multiple great lines and great moments. Uh, Captain Sisko ha- has a great moment with Odo where he gets ejected from the game. It's, it's really, really silly and fun. And in the end, it ends with a classic Star Trek trope of humans irritating Vulcans. And <laughs> that that one is, is a lot of fun. So if you're looking for a feel-good episode, uh, not all of Star Trek Deep Space Nine is is dark and, and, and introspective and questioning the Federation and all of that. Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite is one that I would recommend as well. Now, Heather, uh, I have a confession that, that I put in the show notes. Uh, because I was going to, uh, in the case that I do get sent home home, uh, I was going to do some watching. And I realized that there were a few of Star Trek movies uh, featuring the cast from the original series that, one, I needed to rewatch, and two, a couple that I had never watched at all. And yes, I know this is terrible. Uh, that would be the motion picture, the first one, uh, and the final frontier, and Star Trek The Undiscovered Country, which I vaguely remember, but again, I was a baby. I was maybe five or six. Yeah. Uh, c- kind of like when I first started watching TNG with my mother. I was a little, little kid. Uh, also... I plan on watching The Search for Spock and The Wrath of Khan because those are due for a rewatch. And it turns out I have Amazon Prime and they're on Amazon Prime. Hooray! I was going to say, pretty much all of the original cast movies are, are on Amazon Prime, which is how I personally watched them over like the past two years because I had never seen them before. Uh, so... And and it's funny because I didn't really even think about it because I had watched 
Generations on Amazon Prime, uh, First Contact, uh, Insurrection, and Nemesis. I had watched them all recently, uh, and the the Kelvinverse movies recently, like in the last year, on Amazon Prime, and I just never occurred to me, like, oh, the the movies with the original series cast are there too. I can I can watch those too. Like it just it just didn't pop into my head. <laughs> and, well, and as like the three movies that you listed, because I told you I was going to give you a little bit of a hard time. I love the, mo- the motion picture. It's probably one of my favorite original series movies. And it, it's it's also one of those like people will tell you, oh, it's so horrible. And oh, oh it, it it's slow and it's, it's not the greatest. I love it because there's a lot I've of I've heard really- that it is slow, but, but I do it, not mind slow because it, one of my... One of my favorite film directors of all time, Mamoru Oshii, he does slow. So if yeah. it is, I don't really mind that. So I'm looking forward to the motion picture, especially. That's the one I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's not, I don't really consider it slow more as it's very theatrical. Like it uses, it has one of the best soundtracks in all of the Star Trek movies. And it uses that music to help tell the story a lot of times. So there's a lot of scenes where it's just the music and it's just something going on and there's no dialogue. There's nothing, but it's really awesome (laughs) that way. Like it works for this movie. Uh, The other one is the undiscovered country. I actually watched for the very first time, like maybe a month ago. And that it, it, like I know so many people who say that that is one of their favorite Star Trek movies and they were not wrong in that. I really love the undiscovered country. It has a lot of really, um, really good world building about the relationship between the Klingons and the Federation and how that, how they really built that and uh, a, a, a lot of depth to that. So it, it's a very good Klingon story movie, but I, I enjoy it. So I think you'll enjoy both of those. That is the one that I was probably planning to watch tonight. I'm not going to be watching them in chronological order. I'll mostly be watching them through mood more than anything. Uh, Also, uh, I will not be going back to watch Insurrection. (laughs) Just just (laughs) throwing that out there. Uh, But, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this, especially the the ones that I have not caught just because it'll be good to finally catch them. This is, these are like the last few pieces of star Trek that I have not seen. Yeah. And then I will have seen everything that has been a major release in the star Trek universe. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and I will have completed it all over the three and a half decades of my life. Uh, and rewatching some things that I saw when I was a baby. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, okay. Uh, let's move into new business and let's move back into the, the world where we're at today with Star Trek, Heather. Star Trek Picard. Uh, we are nearing the end of its first season. Uh, the next upcoming episode as we're recording this will be the season finale for the first season. How are we feeling about Star Trek Picard? Uh, Heather, I'll let you go first. Uh, Star Trek Picard Season 1, how are you feeling about it? Um, 
Well, you know, this is a hard question <laughs> for me because I've really enjoyed so many aspects of the show. Um, I, I, I've enjoyed watching it. I've enjoyed seeing a lot of the characters uh, from the earlier shows that I know and love. I have enjoyed seeing uh, the new characters that they've introduced who are some are amazing. But especially after the last episode, and, and I, I think I'm going to kind of reserve judgment until I see the finale, but after the last episode, I'm not certain what I think about the actual story of Picard, from where it started to where the season is going to wrap up at, if that makes any sense. Like, uh, the the whole story with uh, the synths and their planet and uh, ultimately what they're deciding to do to face off against the Romulans. Um, It just feels like they went through this whole journey of trying to keep the Romulans from destroying synthetic beings for, uh, as Elnor would call it, a impossible cause, <laughs> a hopeless cause. And uh, the synths on the planet are kind of proving the Romulans right. And I, I hope they don't. And I think we're going to have uh, some resolutions from that next week. But I, I'm not certain if they're going to satisfy how I feel about the arc overall. And, and like I said, I, I love the series. I've enjoyed watching it. Um, I, I'm not, I don't want to say anything negative about the series in general, but. One I, thing I think, about me, Heather, uh, I, I will let you know. I think the story could be, yeah. I will say one thing about me and all of the podcasts I've done. If you want to say something negative, please, by all means, don't hold back. <laughs> I, I think the story could be more compelling. I, I think there's a lot of different arcs within all these different characters that we've gotten to know that are a lot more interesting than what we have with Soji and the, and the synthetics. So it, it's one of those things like the primary story of the show is something I'm not really a whole lot interested in. Uh, but I, I want to know more about the secondary stories of the show. Like, uh, Seven and Elnor and what they're going to do with the XBs or uh, Rios and Rafi and uh, what's going on with them and their lives. Like, I, I want to know more about that rather than the Romulans and the synthetics. So I, I do agree with you on a lot of that. I think that uh, for me, I think the biggest issue with this first season of Picard uh, is the fact that it was only 10 episodes. I think that this story with Soji and the synths and the Romulans is actually pretty good, Uh, but they've been going at warp nine through a lot of it actually. And I said on Twitter that I think that if this were, say, the same length as one of the seasons of Discovery, whether it were 14 or 15 episodes, 
this would have been a really good start to finish story because in a way it kind of reminded me of another sci-fi franchise that I hold very near to my heart, Mobile Suit Gundam. And I thought about the fact that Mobile Suit Gundam, aside from its main Universal Century timeline in, in its original anime, it has side stories where you see maybe some characters you're familiar with and get introduced to some new characters. And there is another story going on outside of the main world that we know. This Picard side story is very far off from the the Federation that we know. Because mm-hmm. honestly, the Federation is still do- dealing with the aftermath of Mars. And that, that would probably be the main storyline of a Star Trek series where Star Trek Picard is a side story. And I get that side of it. And I do think that that the overall story could have been stretched out and fleshed out a little better. The big thing that I love is I love all of the characters in the show, except for the main characters. That being Soji, who is still a bit of a blank slate to me. And strangely enough, Jean-Luc Picard. Oh my gosh, yes! I agree. And, okay. <laughs> I think that it's because, for the most part, his story has kind of been told. And, and I came into this season of Picard feeling like this is Jean-Luc Picard's epilogue. And I'm, and I was totally okay with that. I'm even more okay with the idea that this was Picard's epilogue now than ever. Uh, because we've in, we've been introduced to some fantastic characters. Uh, I've said many times, I want a series with Chris Rios yesterday. It, that dude has so much story and history that you could dive into. That that is a main character of a TV series waiting to happen. Uh, same with Rafi. Uh, I think that Michelle Hurd is absolutely outstanding. I absolutely love the character uh, and how much depth and complexity she has. Uh, I love her relationship with with JL. And Michelle Hurd has been simply phenomenal. Uh, Also, I think that Jerry Ryan has really broken out. And there is a mountain of potential of things you could do with seven of nine in the timeline where we currently stand. Uh, I've already said multiple times what I want is a Star Trek Fenris Rangers video game. That's what I want. (laughs) Like, if you give CBS or whomever a big AAA video game budget and have Jerry Ryan doing all of, like, the motion capture and voice work you see in, like, a big, big video game... I will play that till the end of time. I, I want like a a single player action spaceship sci-fi Fenris Ranger Star Trek video game, and and I feel like that would be incredible. Uh, could it be a TV series? Absolutely. 
but I really think that what they've done is on top of a main Star Trek story uh, with the main Picard storyline, they've put a lot of really good things under it that they'll be able to move forward with. And I think that was really well done. Uh, I think a lot of people are saying that they want to know more from these characters. They want to see more from this universe. They want to see more from what is happening in this timeline. And that's the best thing you can hope for with your first season is that you want that people want to see more. And I think Picard pretty much nailed it. I've really enjoyed the hell out of the first season and I'm excited for when it comes back. I I agree with you that one of the things they kind of set out to do was get people excited about other characters and people wanting to know more. Because one of the things I've said, like, even before season two of Discovery, when people started clamoring about a Christopher Pike show, I, I said, you know, the next live action show that they're actually going to confirm, in my opinion, is going to be a spinoff from Picard. It's going to take someone, anyone, doesn't... I couldn't even begin to speculate which character it's going to be or group of characters, but... I honestly think that they are planning in their ultimate scheme of things to have a spin-off show from this series uh, to help advance this universe forward. So I'm looking forward to that. I am. And, and I just realized something that, that I forgot for half a second. Uh, even in episode eight, Nepenthe, uh, Will Riker uh, even said that he's still on active reserve. Yeah. Which really is just another seed to plant. Uh, we've still never seen, uh, at least in television, we've still never seen the USS Titan. Yeah. And I know a lot of people, myself included, want to see the USS Titan. And the idea of Riker and Deanna Troy being this husband-wife lead in a Star Trek series is really really fun to me i would love to see that oh i agree i i, I definitely agree and i uh that that's there, there there's so many different threads that they could pick out of it all feels the good things to that talk about so it feels good to talk about how many things are possible <laughs> there really is I, and i mean you can even look at the fact that uh uh for season two of picard which is coming they, 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 they did confirm that, that Patrick Stewart basically invited Whoopi Goldberg to come back as Guinan in season two, which is a whole nother thread <laughs> of possibilities that we can see, which I'm excited for. So, And they've pretty much said all but officially that Jordy LaForge was part of uh, Utopia Planitia on Mars. So it's entirely possible he'll be there too. So we might see LeVar Burton. Like honestly, it it's so cool that we're in this age where there are so many different things that Star Trek could do. And it really started with Star Trek Discovery, which is which is really amazing to say given how polarizing it was when it started. And now it's opened up, reopened up an entire universe of, of a franchise worth of content. 
Uh, but I got to say, let's we're going to move into upcoming business and talk about Discovery a little bit. I probably liked Star Trek Discovery Season 1 more than most, and I thought it ended really, really strong. Star Trek Discovery Season 2 was universally praised for more than just Captain Pike, I believe. And Season 3 uh, recently wrapped, as the members of the cast have said, and it's a little weird. I- I'm wondering, where's that Season 3 premiere date for Star Trek Discovery? I feel like we should have gotten that by now, don't you? I I, I think we should have gotten it by now, too. Um, if you look at the production time between when the series wrapped and when uh, the show premiered in season one and season two was both like about a month, not even a month. Uh, So the season three wrapped at the end of February and we're now close to the end of March and we don't have a premiere date. And the one thing I've been seeing online is that a lot of the cast members are saying, well, they're still working on special effects and they're doing it from home now because of the pandemic. So it's going to take longer. Um, I don't know if that's a... uh, You know, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I I mean, that's definitely going to cause delays but i think it, it it's one of the things once they figure out how long it takes to to complete an episode like they can still figure out when they're going to premiere it because a lot of a lot of times with these shows like even they don't have to have the entire season completely finished by the time they premiere as long as they can still work on it and they have everything finished by the time each episode airs isn't so, it, it uh, kind of felt that way with season one? Yeah. If, if I remember, it felt like they were still maybe in production or post-production when season one started. That's the impression it, that I got. Exactly. And they had to be that way with season two, too, because, I mean, season two wrapped at the end of December and then premiered on January the 17th. So that wasn't even like two weeks. They had to still be in post-production for some of the, the, the later episodes and things. So I, I, I've honestly had this theory in my head that instead of like making some big announcement about the premiere date for season three of Discovery, they're just because Netflix has started to do this with some of their shows. They just kind of announced like two weeks ahead of time. Oh, the premiere is coming in two weeks. <laughs> I think they're going to do that with season three of discovery. Okay. All right. I, 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 I have this getting antsy, theory. Heather. I'm getting antsy. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I have this theory in my head because the season finale of Picard is next week. I think at the end of the season finale of Picard, we're going to get a new trailer attached to the end of the episode for season three of Discovery, and we're going to get a premiere date. Okay. That's what I think. Because it, it does look cool. Season three does look cool when we're going way into the future and we're seeing the remnants of the Federation. I'm, I'm really intrigued by that. It just feels like there's they've got some really good writers doing some really interesting things with Star Trek, and I'm, I'm really interested in that. 
Yeah, it, it season three of Discovery is headed into all new territory. I, I mean, it's even farther in the future than what Picard is now. So the the world and the, the Federation as we know it and the planets as we know it of this universe can be entirely different. The galaxy is their oyster and they can do whatever they want with it. So I'm really excited to see where they went with it and what happens. And we're excited for all of you for listening to this podcast, everybody. Uh, like I said, when we first started out, we're not going to go on too long. We're going to try and keep this fairly short and sweet. Heather, uh, thanks for doing this with me again. It's been fun. It's really cool to talk Star Trek with you. I'm excited. I'm staying excited. I'm, I'm really excited to see what else comes along. Uh, thanks, everybody. You can follow this podcast at Prom Trek Pod. You can get it wherever podcasts can be aggregated. It's in Apple Podcasts. It's in Spotify. It's everywhere else. Go ahead and give us a, a positive review. You can do it for Heather. Uh, she's great. <laughs> if, if you like Star Trek, you can do that for Heather. G- give the podcast five stars. We really appreciate it. And again, everybody, thank you for listening to The Promenade Merchants. We'll talk to you soon.